0: Numbers chapter number one, I got to tell you, Judson and I were, uh, I was out on the front porch just praying, prepared my heart for this evening, and a Judson came out and he said to me, he said, Dad, are there ever times leading up to a church service that, uh, that you just don't feel ready? And I said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was an opportunity for us to talk about the fact that, you know, I think sometimes we preachers think everything rides on us and fail to realize we need church as much as anybody else. We need to be together with God's people. We need to sing. We need to worship. We need to pray. We need to be... There have been times I've been preaching and been convicted by my own preaching. Or God has comforted my heart through the preaching of His Word. And it just goes to show you this is God's book and it's His Spirit that is working. And the Lord Jesus Christ, Revelation 2 and 3, meets with us this evening. And I trust that that'll encourage your heart as we think about our continued study here that we call the Grand View of God's Word. Numbers chapter number one, notice if you would verse number one. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the congregation, on the first day of the second month in the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt. And take you the sum of all the congregation. And that's really the idea of where we get the word, uh, the name numbers. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Just a little time frame. Remember that from the time the children of Israel came out of Egypt until they got to the base of Mount Sinai, the book of Exodus tells us that about three months elapsed from leaving Egypt to getting to the base of Mount Sinai. So now we're reading here, notice if you would, first month of the second year. So that basically means now they've been at the base of Mount Sinai. Uh, if it's the first month of the second year, they've been at the base of Mount Sinai for about nine or ten months. Okay, And uh, we're going to see, uh, if we get to it, we'll see another time reference uh, that uh, will help us a little later on in the book. But I want us to consider this evening the, the book of Numbers and this overview and its place in the Bible as we further move along in this grand view of God's word. And I know that there will be some things that will encourage you uh, this evening uh, as we uh, seek in the end to uh, finalize our thoughts on this book and the, on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you think about this, but in the book of Numbers, there are some wonderful pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll think about several of those before we conclude tonight. Let's pray. Father, help us in the next few moments together. We thank you for your word. We thank you... That it is inspired, infallible, and errant, that in it and with the Spirit of God we've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We thank you that in every book we can see uh, the person of Christ, even in the Old Testament, looking forward to him, uh, creating a longing for him in your people. And as we look in the Word of God and we behold, Uh, As in a glass, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we then are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And I pray that you would do that tonight, that you would make us uh, more like Christ, and that our love for the Lord Jesus Christ would deepen uh, as we uh, consider the place and the importance of the book of Numbers. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, I'm going to break rule number one of teaching, and that is this. Once you've gotten into a study, you never introduce new material. Okay? I'm going to do that tonight, and it's because I want to, and I think I mentioned this in one of the earlier studies, but really this will help us to understand the Bible. The Bible, uh, some have used the term narrative. That is the big story. What's the big story of the Bible? And the Bible is God's story and Bible students have identified four major parts of that. And I want you to get these, okay? And uh, you'll recognize where we are and where we're headed as you think about the fact that God's story is an ongoing story and the Bible gives us information on this. The first part of this meta narrative, or the big story of God's word and God's plan is obviously creation. God created a perfect world, put man in it. He did it out of love and to reflect his glory. He didn't make man because he was lonely. He made made man as an outgrowth of his love for fellowship and to reflect his glory and uh, to share his love. So creation, but then what did man do with creation? The second major part after creation is fall. And this is important to remember, creation and then fall. And you can see that uh, pictured here, uh, God confronting Adam, Adam blaming Eve, Eve blaming the serpent... And uh, none of that solving anything. And so then what does God do? God then gives us the third component or movement, if you would, in his meta narrative and his big story, and that is redemption. So, creation, fall, redemption. And really, much of the Bible is the story of God's love and the lengths that he is going and has gone to in order to redeem fallen creation back to himself. And you think about it, right away from Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15, when he cursed the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. The first mention of the gospel, okay? So redemption is the expectation, and the theologians have talked about that scarlet thread of redemption that runs right from the very beginning of the Bible all the way through the cross. Uh, to the cross, and then even to God's final working of redeeming creation back to himself. And that leads to the fourth major component in this big story, and it's what we can call consummation. Some have called it coronation, when Jesus is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords, okay, and rules over the whole universe. Uh, But the consummation, when he will, as, as John says in Revelation, he will make all things new. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, and Jesus Christ is going to be the chief worker in all of that. So, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Really the four big parts or, or components of the big story of God's work. That being said, let's come back and just briefly review here. The Pentateuch, the first five books, as we're looking at the grand view of God's word, this bookcase of five. and I'm going to give all of them to us at once tonight. Genesis, uh, telling us about the foundation of all things, and then the fathers of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, Joseph, and Judah. The book of Exodus, the formation of the nation of Israel, uh, and his bringing them out of Egyptian bondage and taking a family and making them a nation. The book of Leviticus, we see the function of the nation of Israel, where through laws and precepts, God forms the nation around the constitution of the nation of Israel when it comes to civil, ceremonial, and criminal laws that he gives to them as far as how they will conduct themselves. And it identifies them as a nation. The book of Numbers, which we'll consider in more detail this evening, recounts the failures of the nation of Israel when they failed to believe God at Kadesh Barnea. And we'll see that here in just a few moments. But one thing I'm going to emphasize tonight, and that is this, and our music has even focused on this, as Judson and I have talked about the service tonight, and that is this, is that even in man's failures as a result of his faithfulness, God is always faithful. Okay. And let us focus on that, and that's how we're going to, that's the theme we're going to follow. The book of Deuteronomy, that second generation, uh, after the first generation has died off as a consequence of their not believing God, for going into the Canaan uh, land of Canaan, uh, God told them, "'Listen, everybody 20 and above is going to die.'" And that younger generation that, ironically enough, the first generation thought would die in the wilderness. They're the very generation that God said, "'No, they're not going to die in the wilderness. "'You're the generation that's going to die in the wilderness "'because you won't trust me, "'and I'm going to take that younger generation, "'and that's the generation that's going to go into Canaan land "'under Joshua's leadership.'" Deuteronomy, the last three months of uh, Moses' life as he gives instruction in a series of sermons to that second generation before then he and Joshua transition leadership. So the bookcase of five. So let's review thus far uh, the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, uh, the foundation of all things as we outline the books. Chapters 1 through 11, the foundation of all things. And then beginning with chapter 12, we're introduced to Abraham all the way through Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Judah, the five main characters that take up that second half of the book of Genesis or the second section of the book of Genesis. So the book of beginnings. And then we go to the book of Exodus that we looked at several weeks ago. Exodus, meaning the way out. Two parts to the book of Exodus. Uh, The Exodus, the bringing out that God does through redemption. Does anybody remember what the two main aspects of redemption were? Redemption that God does is by what and by what? Power and blood. By the way, let me just say this. He still redeems that way, okay? He still redeems by power and through his blood. But that's how he did it. Remember, the blood painted over the doorposts and on the lentils, the sides. And when he saw the blood, he said, I will pass over you, okay? So, Exodus through redemption and then chapters 19 to 40, the establishment of the nation. Remember, Exodus chapter number twenty. Uh, the first giving of the Ten Commandments, and then the the exposition of that, the expansion of that in the 613 that will follow. The book of Leviticus we looked at last week, Leviticus meaning matters of the Levites, and we looked at it from the standpoint too of the handbook of holiness. Ninety-six times in the book of Leviticus, a form of the word holy is used. God is holy, and there are two parts to the book of Leviticus. The first aspect is approaching God through the sacrificial system and then abiding in the presence of God and really you can understand the book of Leviticus in those two uh, parts. Now we come to the book of Numbers. Uh, the word of uh, the book of Numbers uh, tw- almost 50 times the wilderness. In the wilderness is referenced uh, in the book of Numbers and you can find that through a Bible search. Let's just talk about the title. Uh, our English title in our King James version uh, the, book, the word Numbers comes from the Greek title. So in uh, the last few centuries B.C., before Christ came, a group of men translated the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek, all right? The title that they gave to the book of Numbers was Arithmoi. Anybody recognize that word? Arithmetic, Numbers, Okay. The Hebrew title is Bamidbar. You say, Pastor, why in the world? You, I, you, you can get this, okay? You can get this. And it, it comes from one of the earliest words that's used in the Hebrew Old Testament, the Hebrew of the book of Numbers, and Bamidbar means in the wilderness. And that's the theme. It's tracking the history of the people of Israel in the wilderness, that 40-year wilderness, wandering. So you can see the connection of all those. The English title represents the two censuses that are recorded in the book. Notice them if you would. Chapter number 1 and verse number 45 and 46. Chapter number 1, verses 45 and 46. So here we are at the beginning of the book. God tells Moses, take a census. They're at the base of Mount Sinai. They're about to go to Kadesh Barnea where God's will is for them to believe him and to occupy the land of Canaan. Chapter number 13 and 14 make it clear they're not going to believe God and instead they're going to get turned back into the wilderness for 40 years. But this is the initial census. Notice verse 45. So were all those that were numbered of the children of Israel by the house of their fathers from 20 years old and upward, all that were able to go forth to war in Israel... Even all they that were numbered were 600,000 and and 3,550. Notice that number, 603,550 men, 20 years old and upward, who were able to go forth to war. So in this census, women were not counted, young men, 19 and below, children were not counted. This is just fighting men that were counted, 603,550. Jump forward to chapter 26. This is the census taken towards the end of the 40-year wilderness wandering. So about 39 years later, after the wilderness wandering, there's another census taken. Verse number 51, Numbers chapter 26, verse number 51. These were the numbered of the children of Israel, 600,000 and 1,730. You notice something? The first number, 603,550. The sex, second number, after 39 more years, 601,730. Just a very simple conclusion. What do you notice about the difference in those two numbers? Somebody say it. What do you notice about the difference in the two numbers? The second one is lower. There's a very important lesson there, and that is this. is When you disobey God, you always lose ground. When you disobey God, you always lose ground. And they lost some things because of failing to believe God. Now, And we may talk a little bit more about that in a moment. I want you to notice uh, Moses is clearly the author 216 times. He's mentioned by name as the one receiving uh, the words of God. The date of the book of Numbers really goes from 1446 was the exodus coming out of Egypt to 1406 B.C., Uh, when they would enter Canaan land. Notice, if you would, we began uh, chapter 1 and verse number 2. Notice, if you would, chapter 36 and verse number 13, and then I'll show you one other passage, too. Chapter 31 and verse number 13. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses unto the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. So there's been a little bit of ground that is gained after the wilderness wandering uh, at the end of that, under Moses' leadership, they've moved to the east side of the Jordan River. East side of the Jordan River, we'll see. Oh, I don't have a map of that tonight. They've moved to the east side, though, and they're getting positioned at the end of the wilderness wandering uh, to cross over into Canaan land. Look, if you would also, jump ahead to Joshua. We'll come back to Numbers here in just a moment. Look at the book of Joshua, chapter 5, and verses 6 through 9. Joshua, chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. <clears throat> and the Bible gives us the time length of their wilderness wandering, and I, it helps us to then also identify the dates. I, uh, Joshua chapter five verse six, "For the children of Israel walked, here it is, forty years in the wilderness, till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord sware that He would not show them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children, whom he had raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way, that is, during the wilderness wandering. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And so 40 years. Now go back to the book of Numbers, if you would. 40 years, though, uh, is the time period that the book of Numbers takes up. Uh, We'll move on here. The theme of Numbers. Let me just quickly move through these. What are some of the major themes as we seek to learn the unique, the individual place of the book of Numbers in the Bible? One commentator I read a number of years ago said that the book of Numbers records the longest funeral march in history. Because remember, that first generation, those 603,550 men who didn't believe God, God said, as a consequence of that, they're going to die in the wilderness. They're not going to get to see the land. Let me just say this doesn't mean they weren't saved. Okay. But it's just a testimony. You don't believe God when He's clearly telling us to move forward or telling you to move forward. In this situation, in this unique situation, these men paid that consequence. And so that whole generation died off. And you can see the record of that in Numbers chapter 13. Uh, Let's look there, if you would, in the middle. Numbers chapter number 13. Of course, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. Uh, We won't read the entire passage, but notice, if you would, verse number 17. Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. Who's talking here? Moses is talking. Is there a problem with what Moses just said? Moses said, go see the land, whether it be good or bad. Can I tell you what the problem with that statement is? God had already said it was good. God had already told him it was good. Ten times in the book of Deuteronomy alone, he says, I'm sending you up to a good land. Okay. And so what happened, though, is these, as you know, these 12 spies went in, 10 brought back an evil report. Jump over to chapter number 14. The Bible said that the rebellion was so strong when the 10 gave the evil report and Caleb and Joshua tried to still the people and said, we be well able with God's help to take the land. God's promised us this land. The Bible said that all the people spake of stoning Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. Verse number 25 of chapter 14. Here's the consequence. Tomorrow turn you, and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. So here they are at Kadesh Barnea, right on the brink of going in. They refuse to believe God, and God says, Okay, back into the wilderness. Notice verse number 29. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell there and save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in. They shall know the land which ye have despised. Verse number 34, the last statement, ye shall know my breach of promise. And so the longest funeral march in history, I did the arithmetic one time, speaking of numbers and if you take that 600 some thousand and multiply it by all the days that they were in the wilderness it was an average of 88 people per day 88 people per day another theme that can be traced in the book of numbers is unbelief and disobedience always result in a lack of progress Unbelief and disobedience always result in a lack of progress. Look with me, if you would, uh, keep your hand in numbers, and look with me, if you would, quickly at uh, two passages in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And notice two New Testament authors who refer to the Old Testament wilderness wandering. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, which had a lot of issues, the carnal church... 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Moreover, brethren, verse number 1, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized here. Paul's using the word baptized in the sense of identified unto Moses or with Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, referring to manna that God supernaturally provided. And did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was... Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things. So there are tremendous examples for us to pay attention to, to be warned by as it relates to uh, this book of Numbers. Notice if you would also Hebrews chapter 12, pardon me, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 12. The author of the book of Hebrews says this. Take heed, he's giving a warning to these Jewish believers who were thinking about going back into the, can I say, the wilderness of living under the Old Testament law when they had already acknowledged Christ as their Savior. But because of persecution and family pressure, they were thinking about going back. And the author of the book of Hebrews warns them, you've got nothing to go back to. There's only one direction, and that's forward. And he warns them, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. He connects it to the same sin that kept that first generation from going in at Kadesh Barnea into occupy the promised land. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Let's just remember this right here. Unbelief, the Bible describes unbelief with the adjective of what? Evil. Unbelief is evil. You say, Pastor, that's pretty strong. I know it is. But it's important for us to remember that. Take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast into the end, while it is said, and then he quotes from uh, Psalms here, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. He's referring to the time at Kadesh Barnea when the children of Israel refused to obey God. They believed the evil report of the ten spies and refused to go into the land. And in history, the history of the nation of Israel, it was called the provocation. Verse number 16, for some, when they had heard, did provoke. How be it not all that came out of Egypt uh, by Moses? How, how be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses? Referring to Caleb and Joshua, but with whom was he grieved for forty years? Or, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. And so the theme from the book of Numbers, as it's uh, taken up by authors in the New Testament, is that unbelief and disobedience always result in a lack of progress. This is the sad record in Numbers of those who had been given and had seen so much, and God even referred to that. These are the people that saw me through the ten plagues bring the superpower of its day to its knees. These are the people that saw me part the Red Sea with the blast of my nostrils. These are the people that have seen me bring water out of a rock and manna and bread from heaven. These are the people that have seen this and they've not believed me. So the sad record in numbers of those who had seen so much, but they had progressed so little. It's interesting if you track from... The base of Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, it's an 11-day journey. A day's journey in the Bible is 24 miles, 264, 265 miles, an 11-day's journey. And in a sense, it took the children of Israel 40 years to go 11-day's journey because they refused to believe God. You say, Pastor, this is all pretty discouraging. It gets better. Hang on. An outline of the book of Numbers, just four main divisions. We've seen two in the others, and I'm just going to give these to us briefly tonight. Four main divisions of the book of Numbers. The first is this chapter 1 through chapter 10, and verse number 10 is what can be called preparations for departure from Mount Sinai. The next time you read the book of Numbers, you'll notice this. Chapter 1 to chapter 10, it's a lot of instruction in particular about the layout of the camp, which of three tribes are on the south. The north, the west, and the east. A lot of instruction as well when it comes to the sons of Levi, okay, Gershom, Merari, and Kohath, and the parts of the tabernacle that each of them would carry when they moved. And so, what's God doing in those first 10 chapters? He's getting them ready to move, okay. And so, preparations for departure from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. And you see that in chapter number 10, the Bible tells us that this took place in the second month of the second year. So they've been in the wilderness, okay, since leaving Egypt, one year and two months. But they're about to go into 38 years or, 30, yeah, 38 years and 10 more months. The second major point, beginning with chapter 10 and verse 11 through chapter 14 and verse number 45 is the, the record of their passage of those 265 miles from the base of Mount Sinai to Kadesh Kadesh Barnea, where God's plan was for them to believe Him and to take the land. But they disobeyed Him. They didn't believe Him. But the passage from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, chapter 13 and 14, to me, two of the saddest chapters in all the Bible, because it's where the people said, We will not go up. They believed the report of the ten evil spies, their, their evil report. The the third major portion of the book of Numbers, chapter 15 to chapter 22, we could say is is the punishment of unbelief. The record in those seven to eight chapters of the consequence of their not believing God and wandering in the wilderness. And then chapter 22 to 36 record the last few months, the history of the last few months progressing to the plains of Moab. We'll see a map of this uh, right here. So you can see Goshen is the part of Egypt. Uh, Here on the southeast corner of the Mediterranean Sea, here's the Red Sea and the two Gulf, the Suez and the Gulf of Aqaba, the Nile, uh, Nile River right here. Here's Goshen where the children of Israel were for 430 years. When the Exodus took place, they crossed the Red Sea. There are a lot of places named along here in the book of Exodus. They come to Rephidim, and then they're at the base of Mount Sinai, Okay. Then, at that second year, second month, it's when God tells them, "Okay, we've been here at Sinai long enough. It's time to occupy the land." That was God's plan, God's will. They leave from here. They go to Kadesh Barnea. Eleven days journey, two hundred sixty-five miles, right here. But at Kadesh Barnea is where the record of Exodus or Numbers thirteen and fourteen takes place where they refused to believe God, they believed the evil report of the ten spies, they spake of stoning Joshua and Caleb for saying, we're well able to go into the land. And as a consequence of that, chapter number 10, uh, let me go back here. I want to go back. Push the wrong button. As a consequence of their not believing God, uh, the, the line, we could just draw all over like this, what they did for the next 38 years and 10 months, because they refused to believe God. When the journey resumes right at the end of the book of Numbers, this is the trail that they'll follow. They'll come up through Edom and Moab and Ammon. And there's record of taking out Sihon, king of the Ammonites, and Og, king of Bashan. We read about that in the latter part of the book of Numbers as well. They're dealing with the Moabites, uh, uh, Balak, the king of the Moabites, and the false prophet uh, Balaam. We'll see a little bit about that in a moment. But uh, this gap right here represents... 38 years and 10 months. Noteworthy events. Let me just move quickly through these. As you look at, you can see the chapters that I'll, I'll include. The chapters, you can see the pro- progression of that. Uh, you read in chapter 11 the, the, the mixed multitude, uh, the, they fell a lusting. You know what struck me as I was looking over the book of Numbers again today is how much complaining slowed up progress. Complaining and murmuring. I had a professor in Bible college. He said murmuring was the language of the Israelites. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Murmuring and complaining, criticizing, halts forward progress. And it does it still today, too. That's an important thing. In a home, it'll do it. In a church, it'll do it. And, and let us just keep that in mind. The sibling rivalry when uh, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses for taking an Ethiopian wife, the 70 elders that God put on the scene to help Moses with the leadership. Chapter 13 and 14, the 12 spies. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants. By the way, let me just say that song's wrong. All saw giants big and strong. Okay. All saw grapes with clusters long. But only two saw that God was in it all. Okay. It's a great children's song, but don't build all your theology off of it, okay? Twelve spies. Korah's rebellion, chapter 16 through 18. Isn't it interesting the problems that take up significant portions of a book? Moses' disobedience when he struck the rock at Meribah. Remember, Exodus recorded the first time when God had him speak to the rock. But he struck the rock. Why is that significant? Let me just mention this. Because it's a picture, and Paul confirms this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. The rock in the wilderness is a picture of the cross of Christ. It only needed struck once in order for life-giving water to come out. Okay. The second time, just speak to it. Jesus is only crucified one time. And from that final work and finished work, all that we need flows. Okay, But Moses' disobedience, it would cost him seeing the promised land. The fiery serpents, chapter 21. And what a picture that becomes of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter number 3 is the serpent. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if he's lifted up, John would go on to say he will draw all men into himself. And look and live, look at Jesus on the cross, just like those Old Testament saints looked at the serpent on the pole, and they were healed from the poison of that fiery serpent bite. Look to Jesus in faith, and you will be healed from the poison of sin. Okay. The defeat of Sihon and Og, chapter 21. Uh, chapters 22 to 24 the story of the false prophet Balaam and uh, Baal Peor, when God wouldn't allow Balaam to curse the children of Israel. He counseled Balak, the king of the Moabites, to send in your young women into the camp and to seduce the young men of Israel. Uh, invite them to come to your, worships, your worship services. Invite them to, to follow your entertainment. And, and you won't have to have them cursed. God will punish them. And that's exactly what happened. By the way, the New Testament gives strong condemnation against preachers who do that kind of thing, as Balaam did. Joshua, chapter 27, is appointed as Moses' successor. So noteworthy events in this one book. The preparation for succession, just a couple pictures to stick in our mind here. The latter portion of the book of Numbers, Moses laying his hands on Joshua, the passing of the baton, uh, another picture here just to help us envision Joshua. By the way, the book of Hebrews indicates that in a sense Joshua, Old Testament Joshua, was an Old Testament picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. But Jesus is better than Joshua. By the way, do you know Jesus' name is an Old Testament or New Testament version of the Old Testament name Joshua. Preparation for succession. Now, a final encouraging theme, and we're, we're, we're going to have plenty of time here. I'm glad. We're going to look at a couple more slides here, and then we'll go to prayer. A final. Th- this helped me. I've been doing some reading lately that's just been helping to remind me, find Jesus, find Jesus. Go to the scripture and look for Christ, okay? Amen. But I want you to get this. As I think about the book of Genesis, you think about the, the books we've covered to this point. The book of Genesis shows us God, reveals God to us okay, as creator and therefore all-powerful. And then when man fell, God set in motion through the family of Abraham, God set in motion the plan of redemption and so what, is, what does he do? He calls out. So he's the God who's the creator, and he's the God who's calling out a people to himself. And that's really one of the themes of the whole book, is God calling out a people. And you think about the book of Exodus, It's show. remember what God tells Moses? He said, I've heard the cry of my people, and I am come down to deliver them. Aren't you glad for the compassionate heart of our God? And when his people are in distress, he is a God that has moved to compassion. I think about the book of Leviticus and God giving uh, the Old Testament uh, instructions to his people. And I was trying to think of a C word. When God is the commander, he's the controller. It's kind of a business word that we use. He gives his instructions. But here's the thing as I think about the book of Numbers. And that is this, is that... In the book of Numbers, God will chasten his people because he loves them. And it's it's a whole book that illustrates that. God's compassion for his people moves him to chasten them. But I want you to think about this statement. This has helped me. God is faithful to his people and his promises even when they, and I've put in parentheses we, fail because of faithlessness in their Our lives. Aren't you glad God is faithful? Even when we're faithless? Even when we fail? And that whole theme of the book of Numbers is the failure of his people. And yet, through it all, God was faithful. And he remains faithful today. I think about 2 Timothy. Look, if you would, at the book of Nehemiah. I read the book of Nehemiah this week uh, in my personal Bible reading. The book of Nehemiah. Ezra is speaking here. Nehemiah chapter 9. Ezra is speaking to the captives that have returned from the Babylonian captivity, are now trying to rebuild. They rebuilt the temple and will eventually rebuild the wall. Nehemiah here is recording the godly leadership of Ezra and the other Levites there, and it's something of an Old Testament revival. But I want you to notice, beginning, uh, let's see here, verse number uh, 16. Ezra is recounting the history of the nation of Israel to these Jews centuries later uh, that have returned from the Babylonian captivity. And Ezra says, "'But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments.'" And refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. Okay, he's talking about the rebellion of the people of Israel in the wilderness. But notice what he says to the Lord and about the Lord. But thou art a God ready to pardon, (laughs) gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness... And forsookest them not. Do you see the theme that Ezra's bringing out? Ezra's bringing out the theme as it relates to the history that's recorded in the book of Numbers. That the thing that we are going to focus on. If we're going to learn what we need to learn about God in the book of Numbers. It's that God is faithful even when his people aren't. Okay. He is a God who is ready to pardon gracious and merciful Notice verse number 19. Yet thou, in thy manifold mercies, forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them the light and the way wherein they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gavest them water for their thirst. Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old, and their feet swelled not. Look at uh, verse number 25, the last part of the verse. So they did eat, and were filled, and became fat, and delighted themselves in thy great goodness, even when God's goodness was there, and they still became presumptuous on it. The Bible tells us uh, later on, Let's see here. verse number 27. When they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. According to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them saviors. Talking about the period of the judges. Folks, God is faithful. He is faithful even when his people are faithless. He is faithful. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 13. If we believe not, Paul said, yet he abideth, what's the word? faithful for he cannot deny himself in other words when he puts his name on us we become permanently connected to him through the work of christ and he will not deny us he is faithful okay you know what this does i think about this just makes me love the lord all the more if he's that faithful and that good it just makes me love him he, all the more. And it doesn't make me presumptuous upon his goodness and his faithfulness. It makes me want to do right all the more to please him. Okay. I want to close with this. Christ in the book of Numbers. As we look at the New Testament, Jesus is the light of the world. And we think about that pillar of cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night to give direction to God's people in the wilderness. I see the tabernacle in that picture. John chapter number one indicates that Christ's tabernacle, he tented among us. He was the physical, if you would, dwelling place of God in the incarnation. It was through him that God came to the earth. I think about Moses striking the rock and the fact that we read the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 that that rock was Christ. What a picture! The serpent, the brass serpent being lifted up is an Old Testament picture of Christ being lifted up on the cross. I think about the manna in heaven and even the Jews of Jesus' day made a basic connection between the manna that came down from heaven and then Jesus demonstrated that he is the bread of God come down from heaven, John 6. Even false prophet Balaam, you know a dead clot can be right twice a day. Balaam said that out of Jacob a star was going to rise. And that's the bright morning star of the Lord Jesus. And that out of Israel a scepter would come. That would smite Moab at its base. And there are many other things that Jesus will do as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so here's how I want us to finish today, or this evening, and that is this. In your wilderness, Christ Is there. Just like he was there in the wilderness with the children of Israel in their 40 years of wandering, I want you to know in your own wilderness, I don't know what wilderness you might be going through, but I want you to know Jesus is there. As surely as he was there with the people in the Old Testament. In their wilderness, he is there. And I really think we could say this in far more specific ways than even the nation of Israel experienced. So I will to leave you this encouragement tonight. I don't know what wilderness you're in, but I want you to recognize Christ is there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the tremendous riches that we can glean from an Old Testament book that point us to Christ and yet also contain warning for us, things we need to take heed to as regards unbelief and living according to the lusts of this world. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to recognize that Christ, when we have spiritual thirst, he's the rock that supplies water. When we have spiritual hunger, he's the bread that came down from God out of heaven. When we need the light of direction, He is the light of the world in our lives. We look to Him for salvation. Those who have yet to trust Christ as Savior, that just like in the Old Testament, that serpent was looked to, now today people look to the cross and that's how they're saved. So Lord, we thank you for this book pray that we would walk away from here with a fresh and a new perspective of it, a deeper understanding of it, and a greater love for Jesus. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.